Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. I'm going to open up this morning. This message is called Keeping... Somebody's more excited than you are. This... (laughs) This message is called Keeping Score. Would you say Keeping Score? score. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. This scripture is often used as a great scripture to comfort ourselves when things don't look great and when life um, is tough to remember that for those who love God or are called according to His purpose, God is going to work out everything for their good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love You, and we just thank You for the privilege of coming together and worshiping You, coming together um, and lifting up Your name, God. We We really believe that as we do that, Lord, we thank You for Your presence that's with us. We just believe that You're doing things in our lives and around us, Lord, that we can't do on our own. We thank you for the gift of being able to just cast our cares on you today and to worship you and allow you, Lord, to bear and to carry those things today. And Lord, right now, we just open up our ears and our heart, God, to hear from your word, God, that what is in your word would speak to us, Lord God, that it would um, instruct each one of us, that each one of us would receive something, God, that is just for us, Lord God. We just trust for your ability to speak. I pray, Father, for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to share what is in your word today. Um, Lord, let there be an impartation, even as we're hearing your word, even as we're listening. Let us grasp something that makes a real difference for our lives and our walk with you. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, right now, um, the NCAA basketball tournament is in full swing. And I think after this weekend, we'll have like the final four. And uh, one of my alma maters made it into, uh, into the, uh, the, the NCAA basketball tournament, which of the schools that I've gone, it's the only one that has a basketball team that even would ever have a shot. And it was Oral Roberts University. And I have to tell you, I got a lot of emails and there's a lot of fan fairs about the Golden Eagles being in a tournament only to be dashed by Duke University. I mean, they just... <laughs> They just crushed our soul, you know? It's like, it, you know, people were like, you know, on the internet, like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe they got a chance, and, you know, they could do things like that. If you thought that we had a chance, um, those chances were knocked out very quick, and uh, the Golden Eagles went home and with nothing. <laughs> and, you know, during, uh, during a sporting event, whatever you like to watch, we typically keep score, right? And the winner is always determined at the end of the game. Amen? You can have a good quarter. You can have a bad quarter. You can have a good half, a bad half. At the end of the game, what do we look at? We look at the final score. At the end of the game. I was flipping through the channels over the weekend, and I saw UCLA playing Gonzaga, and I didn't have a dog in that fight at all. UCLA was up by 13 points, and it looked like they were dominating, and I was just like, yeah, keep on going. I turn on the television the next day, and I I, I graze over some sports news, and I find out that Gonzaga won. And I was like, oh, you see, I didn't pay attention to the score at the end of the game. I was looking at it in the middle of the game. And you know, in life, 
we like to keep score. Whether we're doing it you know, uh, very intentionally or not, you know, things go well for us in our mind. We're like, point for me, right? The kids lived this week, right? Point for me, right? Um, my, you know, my boss said something, anything nice to me this week at all. He didn't yell at me this week. Point for me, right? Uh, I got my project done on time, or I, you know, I didn't cuss the person out who cut me off in traffic. Like, point for, five points for me. Like, right, right? Like, y'all are like, that'd be a move of God in my life. We're praying for you. And, you know, when things go sideways in our life, there's this thing inside of us that thinks, well, point for the enemy or point for the world or point for, you know, whoever is against me or whatever is against me. Um, And there are times and seasons when it feels like someone is trying to run up the score. And I want to read today as we um, go into Scripture today, I want to look at um, some stories where... Honestly, if you were to read them not knowing the outcome, you would go, man, the score is just getting run up. First, we're going to start at the Last Supper in John chapter 13, where it says, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jumping down to verse 21, it says, after he had said this, Jesus uh, was troubled in the spirit, and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to that disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. The dipping of the piece of the bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. This is the Last Supper. This is shortly before Jesus would be... go to Gethsemane, shortly before he would go to the cross, shortly before he would die on the cross. And you know, it's easy for us, again, to look forward in the story, knowing how it's gonna, what's going to portray. But when we just sit ourselves, if you will, at that table, these disciples had been walking with Jesus for three years. They had ate with Jesus, slept in the same place as Jesus. They have seen Jesus do miracles. They've had heart-to-heart conversations with Jesus. And they have seen so much and been through so much together. And these disciples are so different from one another. Like, they are just not, like, it is a motley crew at best. And after three years, and after all the love, and after all the miracles, after all they have been through, here is this announcement that there's a betrayer at the table. I don't know about you, but that would make dinner awkward. Right? People would be like, Wait, what? As a matter of fact, Jesus knows that it's happening. And one of the things he does in the middle of this story, we didn't read this part, but he just walk, he goes around and he washes all of their feet. He could have like, you know, outed them by just being like, we're going to skip you next. <laughs> right? He says, I got you later. Right? He could have been, but no, like Jesus, he didn't do that. And, and later on, he would transition and start to talk about going somewhere else. And that a place that his disciples could not go. And um, 
the disciples are all confused and they're all wondering what's going on and they're all wondering, this just doesn't feel good. And to think there's a betrayer among us. And if you've suffered any betrayal in your life, that is a, is a tough wound because the thing about betrayal is you don't see it coming. And so it has a particular ability to undermine us and undermine our trust. Then Jesus starts saying, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere. And uh, Peter doesn't like this because it's like, he's like, I'm going somewhere and you can't come. And Peter, Peter won't have it. Peter's the vocal guy. He's like, no, 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 no. And in John 13, verse 36, it says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? He's trying to figure out so he can also go there, right? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Now, we've read these stories a lot of times or heard, maybe heard the story before. He's talking about going to heaven, and Peter, you don't get to come to heaven yet, right? Verse 37, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay my life down for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay your life down for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Man, now this is like right after supper. This is right, like, like happening after that. And so at dinner, you have this kind of awkward situation of somebody is going to betray. And now you're sitting here and you're saying that to Peter, you know, Peter, you are going to disown me. Jesus' most vocal, most um, outgoing supporter is saying, it, Jesus is looking at him saying, you say you'll follow me anyway. You say you'll die for me, but you are going to disown me. I kind of wonder if the disciples in general thought that maybe Peter was the betrayer. Because the only one who knew about Judas would have been Peter and John who were sitting next to Jesus and having this interaction with the bread. I wonder if for just for a brief moment, people thought that it was John, or excuse me, Peter. It also said, you know, that when Jesus said to him, to Peter, or excuse me, when Jesus said to Judas, go and do it quickly, they just thought he was talking about money and the food and stuff like that and paying for food. So they hadn't clicked in yet. And I, I'm watching this for Jesus and the disciples. And it's like, sometimes you, you hit a place where things take you by surprise. Now, Jesus knew it was coming. But for the disciples, you know, everything was up and to the right up to this point. They're like, things are going great. Jesus' fame and his anointing and his touch on people's lives is so great. And yet, things just seem to be getting tougher and tougher. There's a betrayer in the room. Peter is going to disown me. Then they transition and they go to this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. And Jesus goes there in Mark 14, 32, and it says, they went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Y'all, this is Jesus, who's deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. How about you, but like, that just breaks my heart. To know that like, my Savior, the one who I call upon, like, went through that much turmoil and pain that he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like winning to me. I think when you're in that spot, it feels like the score is getting run up. 
It feels like a bad day is just getting worse. And you know, if, if Jesus faced difficult and oppressive times, do we think that we are exempt? And I know you know the answer to that. You know that we're not exempt from living in a broken world. We're, we're on a broken planet where, uh, where we are suffering the consequences of sin as a, as a community uh, all around the world, right? And, and I don't know about you, but, and I don't know what you're facing, but Jesus, he does. And he is not unaware of what you're walking through. He not only sees you, but he also understands. And I think in times of suffering, in times of trial, in times when the score is getting run up, is some of the times when we can feel the most alone. And there's a lot of bad things that can come out of us. We can turn to a lot of the wrong things in those moments to relieve the pain and to get through it. We can begin to turn on ourselves and even begin to believe, you know, uh, you know in kind of like a self-pity mindset and, and begin to uh, almost put this cloak on ourselves of heaviness and almost determine like, well, this is what it will be. And I want to tell you that wherever you are right now, if you are going through something, you need to remember that this is a quarter, not the whole match. This is time on the clock. It's not the end yet. Like what you're walking through is real, but God sees you and God can see you through. We go on and in Mark chapter 14 um, is where, Jesus, where Judas is now, let me back up. What happens is they pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is having his prayer. What's amazing is the Father sends like angels to tend to, to, uh, to Jesus and to encourage him in that moment. And then basically Jesus just kind of gets up and says, all right, it's time to go. And in Mark 14, 43, it says, just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. Here he is again. With him, a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with him. The one I kiss, now that's just wrong. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Oh. The, man, the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scripture must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted and fled him. So you have this whole encounter. He gets this kiss from Judas and the, the man arrests Jesus and Jesus is like, I'm not re leading a rebellion. Why have you come with these swords and these clubs? What? I mean, they are arresting Jesus. I call false arrest. Right? Like, it's like, like they're arresting the savior of the planet. And what's wild is when, when uh, in the Matthew account, when Judas arrives, Jesus looks at him and says, do what you came for, friend. Oh. Jesus um, is seized and he's arrested like a, a common criminal. And it says in verse 50, 
after it's Peter who cuts off the ear and Jesus like takes his ear and you know like puts it back on, which is kind of cool, um, especially for the guy. Um, he was really thankful. Um, everyone, it says in verse 50, everyone deserted Jesus. Now, I have to admit, I didn't look up the original language and stuff like that. I'm just going to go out on the limb and think that when it says that everyone deserted Jesus, it means everyone. That means all the disciples, everybody took off for the moment to not get pulled into prey. Tell you what, when you are going through a trial, it can feel really lonely at times. And they put Jesus on trial, and in the midst of his trial, there's an insurrectionist and a murderer named uh, Barabbas. And Barabbas is released. So they bring out Jesus and Barabbas. They're like, who do you want to let go? Jesus, who's healed people? Jesus, who's risen people from the dead? Jesus, who's taught you? Jesus, who's loved you? Jesus, who's been there for you? Or Barabbas, the murderer? Barabbas! It's like an alternate universe. Like this, that verse will make you believe in the multiverse right there. You're just like, wait, what? What is it? Some of y'all are going, what is the multiverse? Ask your kids. They will tell you what the multiverse is. I was fascinated to find that there are scientists looking into if the multiverse could be true. And I'm like, okay. Um, but, you know, weirder things have happened. So Jesus is on trial. They release the murderer. And the crowds, the crowds around Jesus... People start moving in these crowds and starting to, to get them to start crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Y'all, there's nothing fair about this. There's nothing right about this. Now, I, I want to tell you, like, there are some things that we go through that are consequences of our actions. Amen? All right. You've you got to own that. However... Not everything that happens to you in your life is a consequence of your actions. Do you hear me today? So important that you hear this. Some of the things that happen in your life are consequences of someone else's actions. Some of the things that happen in your life are the consequences of living in this broken world, right? And sometimes we're a little overly focused on why is this happening? You need to pay attention. But why it's happening is actually not always as important as who's going to see you through it and who's going to walk you through it and how you're going to come through it and whether you come out smelling like the fire and the smoke or whether you come out without the fire and the smoke smell on you. And then, this is a wild thing. It's like, so Jesus, he's on the cross and it's like, I'm reading these scriptures kind of in order and I'm going to these specific ones because I want you to see with me when we're in this quarter, or we're in this half, or we're in this section, if you will, you just look at it, and it looks like the score's just getting run up. And here's Jesus in Matthew 15, 27. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. They're throwing his own words back at him. You're going to destroy the temple and build, rebuild it in three days. Come down from that cross and save yourself. 
In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe those crucified him also heaped insults on him. The irony of this statement is ridiculous. Save yourself! When you're reading this, you want to go, but he's saving me! Come down off that cross. He could if he wanted to. He could have called a legion of angels down. He could have got off the cross, but you and I are here today because he didn't get off the cross. Because he was willing to endure it, and it was unjust. I think sometimes when we're going through life, there are unjust things and there are challenges that we're facing and things like that. We're just like, God, why is this happening? Anybody ever ask that question? What is going on? Why is it me? And that kind of thing. Y'all, we live in a broken place. And there are times when it looks like the score is getting run up. But Jesus, that's probably the wrong pun. He hung in there, but like that's not the right. I don't think that's... (laughs) Scratch that from the, yeah, record. Yeah. If he, if he stops the cross, he doesn't save you and I. Question for you. When does the score matter most? At the end. That's when the score really matters. I want to tell you all, eternity is a really long time. How's that for a profound statement? It really is. It's a really, really, really long time. And we want to make sure that we keep score right. Don't get me wrong. Life is not bad all the time and that kind of thing. But some of us have gone through seasons where it seems like one thing after another. And it just feels like the tally is getting run up. And we need a little bit of hope and we need a little bit of perspective to recognize that how we account for this score, how we uh, tallied up in the end is what really matters. And John records um, some of Jesus' final words. And it says this, it says that knowing, you're not going to see it up on the screen, it says that knowing everything was finished for the scripture to be fulfilled, Jesus said, it is finished. And he gave up his life. It's this wild thing because one of the things it's pointing to is like, Jesus is not out of control in any of this. It's clear, like they're mocking him and all this stuff, and he's not out of control. The enemy thinks he is winning big time, but has no idea what's coming next. See, Jesus knew the real score. He knew that with this one act, he would pay for the sins of humanity forever, past, present, and future, that anyone who would call upon him could have their sins forgiven because the price has already been paid. I don't know if you've ever seen like a buzzer beater kind of score, you know, that last second touchdown or that three-pointer that goes through and they win by one or those kind of things. But it's like Jesus went all past the three-point line, past the half-point line, all the way to the back, and he shot this shot, and it was like infinity, boom, done, not even close. I want to tell you all, when the final score is taken, it's not close. 
Do you hear that today in your own heart? The final score, the final tally, if you are calling upon Jesus and he is your Lord and he is over your life and you, you are in him and follow him, like the final score, there's no contest, there's no competition, like there's barely anything. And actually the word talks about it in Genesis. It says that, you, that we will crush his head, talking about the enemy, and the enemy will strike our heel. I don't know about you, but I'll take strike my heel over crush my head any day. Like that's like the score and it was called back way in Genesis. See, the thing is, Jesus wasn't done. Three days later, he's going to resurrect from the dead. Boom. Mic drop. I can't drop this mic. Um, (laughs) Like he raises from the dead, proving that God has the power to raise you from the dead. Yo, that's good for your eternity. He needs to be able to do that and prove it to you for you to know that you can be in eternity. He raised him from the dead. And that's why it says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? One of the hardest things that we walk through is the death of people we loved and things like that. But I tell you what, you're calling upon Jesus, we get to see you again with a glorified body. Hallelujah. <laughs> metabolism, man, stinks. Just, I just hate metabolism. I'm like... Anyhow, yeah, sorry. We'll run up the score later, apparently. (laughs) Do you know the resurrection? Jesus is just running up the score even more. And are you in a season where you feel like life is running the score up on you? Where you feel like if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, I think when, when, when Judas was betraying him, it was like the sucker punch. When, when Peter is uh, going to disown him and all the disciples are going to walk away, it's like the uppercut. It's just like one thing after another. Jesus would be beat. He would be um, just, you know, just massacred uh, for you and for us. And he would have to endure all of this alone. And I want to tell you that if you are frustrated, if you're disillusioned by the number of challenges you're facing, if you are feeling lonely, if you are feeling misunderstood, if you are feeling uh, uh, um, hardship, I want to tell you the final score has not been tallied yet. God sees where you are and he has the grace to bring you through it. And I'm not preaching to you today that you need to stay in that place and just kind of wait for the clouds to lift. No, God's got a word for you, whether it's to stand up and speak to the storm or whether it's to go through the storm. He has a word to bring you through. He has grace, not encouraging you to just sit and just go, I guess I'll just wait for all of life to happen and that kind of thing. No, God wants you to participate and act with him, but he will do the heavy lifting. And if you seek him, he'll give you a way through and give you a way to even see the calculus of all of this because God is not unaware and God does care about what you're going through. This verse is so powerful, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, would you say all things? God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose The scripture doesn't say that God does all things to you, but it says that he works all things for you. He can take terrible situations that grieve his heart, and he can work things to the end so that the score is run up in in the favor of his kingdom, which we are part of. 
it says that this promise, this is for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Meaning that if you call upon Jesus, if you love Him, this promise is over your life. Y'all, God is working. He is working and He already sees the final score. One of the great things about the book of Revelations is we actually get to look, peek at the end of the game and go, we win! He wins! I find that very comforting. To know that He wins. You know, that verse, it's, like I said, it's for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I want to encourage you, like, Jesus, He paid for the sins of the world, but He does not make you ask for forgiveness. He doesn't make you follow Him. He does all of these things and he's, and he, in a way in which He says, now, if you want me, you can have me. If you desire to follow me, I've done the heavy lifting for you. I've paid for your sins. I can empower you for living. I can lead you and I can be your good shepherd. I can do these things, right? But the, the next move is on us. And I just want to encourage you wherever you are in your life, like if you have either never made the decision, I'm all in with Jesus. Or maybe it was a decision that was once made And yet, you've kind of walked away. You you took the reins back into your own hands. You believe in Jesus. You love Jesus. But the reins are in your hands. And you need to put them back into his hands. Because, you know, when we follow Jesus, it's kind of like, hey, Jesus, you're the boss. Like, I, I trust your plan and your way for me. And I want to follow and know you. And I just want to encourage you today, if you're in a place where you're like, Yeah, I am up against some things, but I need to firmly put the reins in his hands. I need to ask Jesus all over again to be my Savior, to to be my God, because he's worthy of my worship, and he's worthy of me following him. I want to tell you, all this, this, this section of Scripture where we watch Jesus go through one thing after another thing after another thing, He did it because He loves you. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He did it because He wants us to be part of the family. Like that, that was it. He could have made this a lot harder on us. And really, you know, the gospel kind of comes down to He paid the sins and it's kind of like, do you want Him or not? I know it's like a really oversimplification. Like, do you want the Lord? But, you know, when you want the Lord, like you want the Lord to be Lord, right? And I just want to encourage you, like, his care for you is so great. And he has proved it. Sometimes we say, God, will you give me a sign? He gave us a sign. It's the cross. Like, he proved it. And I don't know what your experience has been with Jesus. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes people preach a pretty harsh version of Jesus that all he's doing is sitting there with a tally sheet looking at your do's and don'ts. And it's really a lot more simple than that. He just wants you to follow him with all your heart. He knows you're broken. He knows you're going to make mistakes. He's going to improve and tweak you. We call it sanctification. All your life. He's not, 
here to criticize you. He's here to save you. He knows everything that's messed up with your life. And he loves you. And yeah, like he doesn't like tolerate sin from the standpoint of being like, oh yeah, don't worry about that. No, he's going to work it out of you. The hard way, the easy way, I really encourage the easy way. <laughs> Highly recommend it. I've done both. I want to tell you today, and if that's you today, whether you, you need to give your life to Christ or you just need to like reaffirm that he is your Lord. When I invite the prayer team to come up in a moment, I just want to encourage you, go to one of them and say, I need to bring my life to Jesus today. And they will pray with you today. And we just pray, we just say, Jesus, forgive me of everything. I just put my life in your hands. You are my Lord. You are my God. If you're here today and you feel like, man, I feel like the score is getting run up. When I look around me, it looks like the score is getting run up. I just want to tell you today, prophetically, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't lose faith. Press in to the Lord. Seek the Lord. He sees you. He understands what you're walking through. You're not as lonely as you feel because he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And I want to encourage you this week as you're going about your week. Maybe God's going to show you someone that it looks like life is running up the score. And God's going to give you a word of encouragement to say that, hey, listen, God's got you. I'm praying for you. What you're going through is hard, and God can bring you through. Would you be that voice of encouragement to others? Because there are people who are convinced that life's just out to get them, and they need someone to speak hope and speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. I'm going to invite the, the, uh, the prayer team to come up uh, in front. And if you need prayer for anything at all, whether it was mentioned or not, you just come up and one of these folks is going to, going to pray with you today. But um, as we go into Easter, let's, let's remember where the score really ends up. Father, we love you today. And Lord, today we come before you. And Jesus, first, we want to acknowledge and honor what you have done for us. You endured the cross. You suffered so much sorrow, even unto death. And you did it for us. We just honor what you did. We thank you for what you did. We are humbled that you would do that for us. Lord, for those today who they need some encouragement, they need to know, Lord, that the final score is not done. God, come. Come with a, a heavenly hug. Come with your encouragement and with your word. Father, for those today who they just need to, to put their life into your hands. Father, let it not even be... Um, a waffling, or even on the fence at all. But Lord, let that compulsion, Lord, that you give us by your Holy Spirit, just make us run to you. Running to you.
Lord, we thank you that you win. We thank you that you've already won. We thank you that the heavy lifting is already finished. We thank you that, Lord, you, we already know the ending scorecard. We thank you that you're a God of hope and a God of strength. We thank you that you're a God who brings us through the storm. You're the God who calms the storm. You're the God who calms the waves. And we thank you, God, that there's nothing too difficult for you. Lord, like that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Lord, come with your encouragement for your people today. We worship you and honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.